Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. God, I just thank you for this day. You are amazing. Your mercy endures. Your grace is is forever. Your love God, I thank you for guiding and leading us through every situation and season. God, in the, in the highs of highs and the lows of lows, you are with us. You are there for us, and we are just so grateful, honored. And we say thank you for being such an amazing Father. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We started last week talking about God is love. Not love is God, but God is love. We started this series, and then this week, it's just funny because as I was going through things, I, do, I would just laugh because the entire, I don't know when I sent this to Linda, probably November of 2022, that this week was supposed to be love your neighbor. And it's been funny to watch my neighbors um, go through this. Let's go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, I apologize if in advance if this isn't my normal style message. Uh, it has been interesting to try to get my my brain wrapped around everything, and so uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. Jesus is, um, oh, that sounded guilt. Jesus is having a conversation. It says this, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. You've got to understand some context. The Pharisees and Sadducees are not best friends. A lot of reasons why they're not best friends is because the Sadducees and Pharisees are not only religious opponents, but they are also political opponents. He who controls the temple, is he, he controls the purse strings. If you control the purse strings, you control the people. And, and that's that whole thing. They are having an open, uh, open issue, and Jesus silenced their enemy, so they jump in, and they're excited. The Sadducees, and they gather together, then one of them, a lawyer asked him a question to test him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, out of that great text uh, we're going to be going through, uh, uh, the second commandment of love your neighbor as yourself is a shift from last week because last week was a lot more a vertical relationship between you and God. This week is a horizontal relationship between you and everyone else. And as I began to work through the text here, I found myself overwhelmed and stunned. Uh, I found myself overwhelmed and stunned because of how great this commandment is. And I'll walk through a couple of things, and I, I, I said to myself, there's no way I could just play the fool and rush through this topic. I want to know what's happening before, what's happening after, what's happening during. Why would Jesus say this? And let's just point this out, that one thing that gripped me was this, is that Jesus is being tested by the Pharisees, not just any Pharisees, a lawyer of the Pharisees. And he asks Jesus a set-up question, and that set-up question is, what's the greatest commandment? In other words, hey, teacher, if you take everything from Genesis all the way through to where we are today, what's the one thing that's important? Of all the things that God has said, of all the things that God has done, what's the one thing? The one thing. 
And I sat there and I found myself baffled at this entire idea because you would have a guy who is an attorney, not in the attorney like we would see today, but an attorney of the law itself, the law of Moses. And, and he had every mindset and rebuttal ready to pull a trigger on everything that Jesus could say to disprove that he was so great. You ask me what's the greatest commandment before this moment here, and I would just be dumbstruck because how do you pick? How do you pick which are the best things that God has ever done? How do you pick the greatest hits and name it down to one? Some of you guys have favorite music artists and bands that you love, and you go, what's your favorite song of all time? Not just in a band, of all music, of all history, of everything. And you're talking about music, and you're going, I have the hardest time picking a song, you know, that whole Desert Island song, the one song you would listen to for the rest of your life and no other song. No. We're not talking about music or a movie or a book. We're talking about the creator of the universe. Pick one phrase. One phrase. Jesus stops and says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Love him. He looks at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and he says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he adds his own words to Deuteronomy. He adds his own words, and this is the great commandment. And I find that interesting because he's speaking to somebody who knows you are not to change anything in the law. And there's numerous people that have this idea that Jesus never says that he is God, and there's countless ways to disprove that, but in this one moment... Right now, as he's talking to the religious leaders of the day, he puts that to the test because he adjusts the scripture. He adds to what's going on. In other words, I wrote it. I will tell you what's the most important part. The idea that he could add into something and the second is like it is the idea of them not grabbing a stone and trying to call uh, blasphemy and kill him in that moment is mind-blowing to me. He sets it and goes, this is what's the most important thing, the end. There is no rebuttal. It is over. I know because I was there. Let me help you out. The most important thing ever said by God, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in here, we're in the presence of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whose spirit was part of what wrote the law, who was with the prophets, who was at the beginning, who was there. And he says, you can take everything that God has ever said and everything that God has ever done, and you can boil it down to these two things. These two things. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. He adds into it, to a law attorney Everything that you believe on will fall apart if these two things drop. Your entire career and everything you've studied, all your knowledge, if these two things aren't up, will fall to the ground. That's a heavy statement to make to somebody. Because not too much earlier than this, he looks at them and says, brood of vipers. Go talk to your father, the devil. The amount of times he would just poke them because they had so much knowledge, and he's going, it doesn't matter 
what you know if you don't have these two things hanging up in balance. I've sat with multimillionaires and they've asked, you know, having Q&A, what's the one thing I need to know? I've watched athletes be asked, what's the supplement that I need? Or what's the one exercise that I have to do? You sit there and you watch politicians and, and powerful men and women. What's the, what's the secret sauce to success? And you sit here in Jesus <laughs> and they're asking him, what's the one thing? And I'm begging you today to do your absolute best not to blow past this because we've heard love everyone so many times in our lives that it becomes familiar. And familiarity can breed contempt. And what happens along this line is it opens up the door for us just to become numb and turn off our brains and miss the power that he's going through here. So please don't shut off. Because this is the one thing that will heal your heart. This is the one thing that will fix your problems. This is the one thing that will give you purpose in life. Everybody wants purpose. Everybody's seeking for my destiny. Everybody wants to know why I'm on this earth. And if you can focus on these two things, everything else will be taken care of. Hmm. The other mind-blowing thing in verse 40 is this, is that on this hangs or depends depending on what version you have, hangs or is pinned the entire law and the prophets. So he's pushing the envelope just a little bit further. It's like if you could just take two nails and put it into the universe and say everything that God has ever done or will ever do will come off of these two posts. And if you find anything that is not hanging on these two posts, it is not of God and is not of him. You ever had that question, was that voice from God? Was that feeling from God or was it me? Is it pushing you to love God and to love others? Because if it's pushing you to love yourself, it's probably not him. It may sound good. And not everything that's tweetable is godly. Not everything that's quotable is from God. So if you're ever wondering in life, is this idea from God, is it pushing you to love him with everything you are, and is it pushing you to love ev others with everything you are? Because if not, it's going to fall apart. Everything lies on it. I wrote this back in November, and I, I, I had this idea of where I wanted this, this message to go, and I guess it kind of went up in flames. Too soon? Sorry. Um, so yesterday I was laying and, and studying and trying to figure out what was going after and, and how this was going to go. But if I'm going to be honest, I'm still at this moment. I've got notes, but I'm not quite sure what I'm going to say and how it's going to adjust. I've got ideas and if I'm going to be very transparent, the last week has shook me to my core, not because my house burned. That happens. The love of strangers and of you isn't common. That's what's weird. It's weird to be on the receiving end. The Bible says it is better to, to give than to receive. And I've always taken that into the idea of sowing and reaping, but to be honest, it's humbling and 
sometimes weird feeling to receive. And I've watched because it puts you in a vulnerable place to see so many people show so much love. People that don't know me. And as I was talking to a friend of mine, I said, you kind of expect it from family, you hope it's from friends, but when it's complete strangers, it's just, it's uncommon. And it's uncommon because we don't live in a world that is driven by love anymore. We live in a world that's driven by me. We live in a world that's completely self selfish and self-centered. And it's one thing for me, if I can be so bold and so honest to say, it's easy to be a... It's easier for me to be a hero than it is to be helped. And when you see what's going on, uh, Candace even said it the other day, she talked about um, pride and being humble, but even in this moment, you think you deal with a lot of hum you know, humility, you think you've humbled yourself enough over the years, then you go, obviously I've still got pride. And it creates something in you. When the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself, this is not just giving out good vibes. This is not just dropping a couple of change, a bit of change into the, the, the homeless guy on the corner. This is not just to pay it forward at Starbucks. This is not to take your used clothing and send them to Goodwill. The visual image of this, if you really want to get nitty-gritty, and, and I wish I came up with this, but I didn't, um, is to fillet one's flesh off their body and dress somebody else with your own skin. And so as I see you, I see myself. And with all that ooze and with all that nastiness that's there, the need and the cry to help, to need, to want, to desire is so great that you realize in that moment that everyone around you has the exact same needs as you. And just like you would do anything possible to wrap your bandages up and to heal yourself, you should have that same intensity and tenacity to love your neighbor. I, I, I've gone through this over and over again in every way I can, and, and as I've sat there and I've read through this and I've deconstructed it and walked back through it so many times, you deal with this idea that you have desires. Everybody has desires. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good speaker. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good son. I want to be a good believer. I want to, I, I, I want to be successful. I want to be healthy. Those are, there's nothing wrong with some desires that we have. But what happens in our world is that when we, when we lose the sight of loving your neighbor and we only focus on my desires, is that you now become the enemy in the opposition to me getting what I want. If I'm so self-focused on my plan and my purposes, I can't allot you time and resources to help you because that would detour from my thing. One of the pop culture things is, is, is <laughs> understanding where you are in life and only having relationships that will get you to the next level. There's a big difference between dealing with abusive and toxic people 
okay, versus dealing with somebody who's not going to help me get where I want to go and how I want to get there. And I think it's ironic if we can. It's ironic because I want to look at somebody and go, Elaine can't get me to where I need to go, so I'm going to cut her off and attach myself to Alan. Well, the weird part is, so it's okay for me to need him, but it's not okay for her to need me. Logically, I have yet to figure this thing out. Again, big difference between people pulling you into the world and trying to, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're a recovering alcoholic and your friends are going to the bar, don't go to the bar with your friends. Get new friends. That's baseline, here we are. But what happens is, is that we've taken this and we've twisted this and go, I'm going to evaluate every single person that I have in a relationship with and go, winner, loser, winner, winner, loser, 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 winner, 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 winner. All the losers go that way. Everybody else, help me get to where I need to be. And then once I've attained that and we're equal, I'm going to cut you off to get new people. And this is being taught. This is being exploited. That's the whole thing that I've lost, is that the, how much exploitation has been used in, in our world to get to where I want to go, and the moment I no longer need you, I discard you for the next thing. And this not only happens, hear me out, in the world, it happens in our pews. It happens in our homes. It happens everywhere. You're the flavor of the month. And now I want something different. And we see this time and time again because we get a new job and we're so grateful that we have a job. And within six months, we're like, ugh, got to go to work. Worst decision. This boss. I'm like, you were just singing their praises for hiring you six months ago. Well, now you're looking for the next thing. I'm firing up my resume already. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Because loving my neighbor isn't about fulfilling something within me to get something from you. It's about seeing your needs and helping at all cost. How about this? It's helping despite my needs. It's pouring out who I am because you need it. Now, I understand balance. So, good glory to God. Help me out. It's the one thing that's horrible about being a pastor is you have to think of every single angle that somebody's going to twist and use and, 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 and take. So, P, I just pour out everything until I die. Use your brains. <laughs> but if the motivation of my heart is continually to use other people to get my own gratification, my heart is not love. If the motivation of, can I tell you this? Huh. Let's get into my world for just a second. If the motivation of my heart is to get you to come to church so my pews are full, that's not godly. If the motivation of my heart is to construct a message that is so popular that it can just be tweeted and reposted so that I can get likes, that's not love. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to me. Y'all have your own issues. If my motivation for being nice to you and sending you a I missed you text is to manipulate you to get into your next Sunday, that's not love. In fact, the Bible says that manipulation is sin of witchcraft. And I'm doing my best to manipulate you. Why? For my benefit. That's not godly. Here's the funny thing is, 
the action itself is amoral. It's not immoral, and it's not. there's no ethics in the action. It's the heart behind it. Because if I send Matt a text and say, hey, bro, I missed you, and I legitimately missed him because I love him, that means something. If I go, oh, I had an empty seat. I'm going to send Matt a text. Missed you, bro. But I don't really miss him. I just miss somebody taking a seat. It's manipulation to get what I want. The action isn't the issue. It's the same reason why Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, and when you fast, cover yourself up. Fasting wasn't the issue. It was the heart behind what they were doing. When you give alms, do it in secret. Don't walk around making it rain so everybody can look how great you are. And when you're helping your neighbor, the whole concept is not to manipulate somebody else to look good at yourself. It's to see a need and to be the answer. And so when, when, when Jesus looks and says, love your neighbor as yourself, here's the crazy part. He's demonstrating this by filleting himself out on the cross for you. He saw your needs, he saw your sin, he saw your issues, and here's what he went. I love my father so very much, I can't imagine living an eternity without him, and that need inside of you would hurt me so great, I will kill myself to make sure your needs are met. That's the loving of a neighbor. When Jesus looks and goes, I'm good, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm gonna, I got this in the bag, it's no problem for me. But your need is so great. I will go through pain because I love. That's loving your neighbor. When I'm at Winn-Dixie and my bill is 1980 and they go, do you want to round it up to a whole number for 20 cents more? Can I tell you, most of the time it has nothing to do with loving my neighbor. It's just I don't want to do the math. Whole number, I can remember that one. But here was what was striking me is, is um, Candace, whenever everything happened, she set up this, this GoFundMe page and, and it was beautiful and uh, it was humbling and all that beautiful stuff that took place. But I'm watching, I, I, I didn't like live on it, but I, I got on, I think it was yesterday, and I knew people who are impoverished going, I've got $10 and it hurt. You know why it hurt me? Because I have $10. But the love was so great, they gave. And I wish I could send, I, I could have, but no, no. Here's where we are when it comes to love. Is it seeing the needs that's inside of other people as if they were your own needs and connecting with them. And here's, here's where we're going to pivot just a little bit. The need may be physical, and it may be food, and it may be all of these things, but the world is dying and going to hell. And we can't stay silent about it. How many times did Jesus feed the masses? Twice. Out of three and a half years, we know he did a buffet twice. but he gave himself every day. And what happens when we're, when we're trying to connect, what we, think, what we have to do is this. 
is it's hard for somebody to receive the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ when their stomach is growling. And so what happens is, is that we do our best to meet a physical need to transition them to be open to have their spiritual needs communicated. And so when we're feeding the homeless, we're feeding the homeless, when we're clothing the naked, when we're doing all of those things, and we're going to serve our communities, it's not just so we can check off that we did good, it's an access point to help them. When you're, when you're bleeding, you shouldn't look at somebody and be like, you know what you should do is you should really invest into your 401k. When an artery is ruptured, it's not the time to talk about their retirement. You stop the bleed, and then you meet the need, and then you speak to the future. And that's what has to happen in our world. Walking around and unrolling toilet paper at, at, at the gas station and rolling it back in with tracks every once in a while probably isn't meeting a whole lot of needs. But you know what? When you help somebody and they find themselves humbled in a spot and you serve them and you're able to speak to their destiny, it's incredible to watch. And this is what Jesus does again in Matthew when he looks and we call it the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I think it's so funny because it's a, a, a shift of what we just read. It's a part. And what's crazy is that people don't go, well, then that's all I have to do because I just got to be good. And then that's all I need. I'll just be nice and I'll be considerate. But it doesn't say love the Lord your God, but I'll just be nice. And, and all I got to do, Jesus was the greatest ethical teacher of all time. Just give out good vibes, be nice to everybody, and it's all going to be okay. But can I tell you, for you to get to that spot in life where you can do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself, the love of God is implied. Because according to 1 John 4, God is love. You cannot do good and show the true love of God if you don't have a relationship with God. You can do good things, but you can't show the love of God. So what is love? You can see it in 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't have a Bible, just look at the wall behind me. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient. Just stop. Love is patient. Love is kind in verse 4. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely or seek its own. It is not provoked and thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. And as, as it's on the screen right now, you can do all of these things, all of these good things that lead up to it. Do it all. You can give. You can sow. You can help. You can do all those things. But if you do not have love... You have nothing. And I love this because it points out to God's character. If God is love, that means that God is long-suffering. If God is love, that means he has patience. These are the fruits of the tree of love. And this is how I look at it in a different context because I can give you things to do and I can have you jump through tasks, but if it's not geared out of the fruit of love, it's most likely geared out of the, out of the tree of manipulation. And that's the problem that we're going to be continually dealing with in life. It's I can't love my neighbor but manipulate them at the same time. Why? Because love doesn't seek its own. And manipulation always does.
And so you see the antithesis of this verse between love is patient. Well, that would mean that the world is impatient. It expects immediate results. Love is kind. The world is expecting things to happen for their own benefit, and they're unkind to you. You're walking through this, the, the, the duality of these two verses back and forth. It doesn't parade itself. It is not puffed up. How many likes did I get? How many followers do I have? How awesome am I? Everything is about me and self-centered, and that's constantly pushing towards me. It's not provoked. It doesn't think evil. It doesn't act rudely. And it's interesting because I feel like our culture is continually being more brazen about the anti-love. I feel like our world is becoming more happy and, and is just openly pushing the antithesis of love. And it's looking for things to do for its own. Because here's the thing. If I can get you to focus on you, and I can get you to stare at your shoes and shuffle, 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 you don't see the needs of the world around you. And if God is love and love enters in, God is light, light enters in, and we can illuminate their soul and illuminate their heart so much. So if I can stop, if I can get you to stop showing love, I can get you to stop being love. If I can get you to stop being love, I can keep the world in darkness. He's not an idiot, the devil. He, he knows what he's doing. Because the moment that the church is focusing outward instead of inward is the moment that they become a legitimate threat. But if you're already saved and going to heaven, he doesn't care. He just manages your control. If you're good and you're going to heaven, all that whole, whole thing, if you're, you're good in the context of being saved and righteous with God, now it's just keeping you corralled. Well, I lost that one. I'll just keep Alan small. But the moment Alan's eyes get off of Alan and he's out helping the world, well, then it's a fire that can't be stopped. <laughs> totally unplanned. Love God. But love your neighbor. Bleed out for somebody. Do something this week that is going to show love. And when they ask why, here's the easy answer. I love you. Have you noticed how difficult it is for people to receive a compliment? They deflect. I'm notorious about it. N notorious. Peter, I, I like your suit. Yeah, I got on clearance. Yeah, somebody gave it to me. It was great. Great deal. Yep. Pete, your message was really great. Ah, it wasn't that good. I've done better. And if you ask me about which one I've done better, they're all horrible. <laughs> I have no idea why I have a job half the time. You, be, be, here's something uncomfortable. When you, when you calm everything down and you pause and you look at somebody, I love you, and they push back. No, no, no. I, I love you, and they push back. Listen to me. I love you, and you're getting it into where they are. And then what happens, nine times out of ten, they will do something almost immediately to discredit that love. And then you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I love you. But I just did this. <laughs> I still love you. Uh, remember last week, I don't love who you will be. 
I love who you are. I don't love you so that I can look good. I love you for who you are. You are a, a son. You are a daughter of God. He loves. I love. And this week, we have the opportunity to continue to show love. I know on the back wall here, we've got our love wall. Uh, and that Miss EJ has done a fantastic job maintaining for us, and Linda. And so what we're going to do as we get ready to close out, I'm going to ask you. We, I know we sent out a text or email or a Facebook post. I'm kind of been in, in a fog. I know things were communicated, um, just not by me. Um, but on the back wall, we have our, our love cards. And we're asking everybody, grab one, write something on it. Put it, an address on the envelope. Put it into the mailbox. We will pay for postage. Share love today. One card, two cards, three cards. We'll keep printing out. I think there's like 60 up there right now. So if you've got five, six, or seven, you've got coworkers, you've got neighbors, you've got enemies, you've got frenemies, I don't care. Show some love today. If you don't know what to say, thinking about you today, I want you to know I love you. Sign Bob. It doesn't have to be detailed. You can Google love note prompts. I'm sure you can find something to say, even if you don't mean it right now. In the bottom of my heart, thank you all for this week. I'm not surprised at what y'all have done. Because when there's a need that's visual, you guys rally. I wasn't surprised because when there was a need that wasn't visual, that was emotional a couple years ago, you guys loved. You love this church in a mess. You love when it looks great. You love when there's a tragedy, and you love when there's calmness. This group of people love like I've never experienced in my life. Thank you for making me proud to be called your pastor. Thank you for allowing uh, me to, to experience your love and for you to let me love you. From the bottom of my heart and everybody watching online, this church is amazing, and they continue to blow my mind about how much love they pour out. And uh, I love you all very much. And uh, we're going to shut down early today. Well, God, I just thank you that today is a day that you have made. We've got plenty more to talk about, but I felt like I hit what I needed to hit. So I thank you for your grace and your mercy today. And I thank you that as we wrap this, this session up today, that we go out empowered to show love. That we don't just go and, and, and do things in the, in the hidden. But God, I just thank you that we're going to have access to show love, which means we're going to have access to messes and, and issues. And I just thank you that we're going to love people through it because it's what we do. We, we take everything that you have done, everything that you will do, and boil it down to loving you and to loving others. And I just give you all the praise and glory for this. We just say yes and amen to everything you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.